Welcome to the Firearms Trainer Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and today we'll be talking about instructing and thriving in a non-permissive environment. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Mantis X. A couple of years ago, I came across Mantis X at a trade show. and saw a lot of potential for myself and my students in it. Now, I can do my own dry fire practice at home and get expert feedback on what I need to do to improve my own trigger press. But besides improving my own shooting, it also allows me to help my students by having them use the device on their firearm to augment my coaching. It's like having an expert shooting coach right next to me with a student on the range. They work out so well that I actually had a friend who borrowed mine, then paid me for it because he wouldn't give it back. Get yourself a Manus X and you'll see why it's such a valuable tool for improving your shooting and your students. Today, we are joined by instructor Gary Carr from Illinois. How are you doing today, Gary? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing Good great. To see you. Great to go along and have you on the uh, podcast today. And I think it's a topic where a lot, a lot of instructors would really like to know how you've uh, uh, thrived in, in Illinois, which we all know has you know some very uh, stringent gun laws and such. But before we jump into that, can you give our listeners a little bit of your uh, background on how you first got into firearm training? Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the least most likely people to be involved in firearms training. <laughs> Because, uh, well, first of all, I'm a career police officer, and uh, this is my going on my 45th year. I'm still doing it. I'm not that bright. <laughs> I should quit. <laughs> but uh, I still love the job, uh, so I'm still doing it. But uh, uh, the reason I got involved in this uh, was the fact that uh, years ago in the 70s when I started, there was a certain type of fear on the street, uh, being the sweaty palms, I mean, really really scared, visibly shaking type scared uh, when they get, when this person would be stopped by the police. And it was really easy to know who that was. It was usually the parole violator just committed an armed robbery with an active warrant, that type <laughs> of scared. And had past five years, I'm, I'm running across that same type of fear, uh, but it was the concealed carry license holder having that lawful interaction with the police for the first time. And during the interview process of these folks, I realized that they were maybe getting some not so good information from some instructors. So I knew that I was going to eventually retire. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of retired, but I'm still involved in, in policing. Uh, I'm still working as a patrol sergeant. Uh, but I, you know, I, when I do retire, I, w- I want to have something to still give back to the community, if you will. And this is what I decided to do when I do eventually retire, retire, retire. Uh, so uh, that's how I got involved in this. And uh, my first 17 years as a policeman, I was one of those people who just I couldn't hit a darn thing. You know, I I could be up, you know, five feet against a wall, press the trigger on my revolver six times and never find the hole. I was that bad. Uh, I got a lot better in 1993. So uh, my students are coming to the right class finally. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it was uh, stressful for me to go uh, qualify annually as a police officer because my job was intertwined in that. My paycheck was too. So it was really stressful. Uh, but it finally got fun for me. I started to shoot a lot better. I hold my own pretty well now. Mm-hmm. 
So, but that's why I got involved in. I, I still want to give back to the community. Uh, and, and again, when I do retire, retire, I will need something to do on weekends and during the week or my wife will always have something for me to do. So <laughs> I'd rather do that. Yeah. So that's how I got involved. Well, like you, like me, like a lot of the instructors that are listening to this podcast, you know, we don't, the money's nice, you know, spending some time and educating people is probably, you know, even a bigger reason why we do this kind of thing because we want people to be knowledgeable um, on what their rights are on what they can legally do and also make sure that they understand what they shouldn't do at the same time because anybody who's watched uh, Hollywood can go, can look at those movies and it's like no 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 and no you know that person be you know in jail real fast if they ever tried that in real life because you know Hollywood is nothing close to real life and they need to get the right information so that they can carry uh, legally carry armed and know how to properly use it. And, yeah, and th- all this stuff varies from state to state. Uh, even with, uh, you know, we have 30 state reciprocity here in Illinois. It's incumbent upon that individual, all those next state laws is they, they leave Illinois and travel into Ohio or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, everything's a whole bunch of difference, a different world out there. So I, I make sure that, uh, you know, we cover, you know, the fact that we're, we really don't have a standard ground law. I mean, we don't have a standard ground law. Our castle doctrine is so weak. And you, you guys just probably did something not too long ago, I believe. I had, but didn't they pass a straight standard ground law in Ohio? No, they're they're trying to. And we've had castle doctrine for a long time. The, the big thing that happened to. back in 2018 was we were the last state to go along and in a self-defense shooting that you had to be proved uh, guilty. Prior to 19 or 20, 2018, March, you had to prove yourself innocent in court of law in Ohio. And it was the only state in the entire United States to where the burden of proof was on the person claiming self-defense and not on the prosecutor, which I'm glad oh, to see that they... That's uh, insane. Uh, it's got to be out of state. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Until 20, but, 2018, but, it was, it, I mean... it. Ohio was the absolute last one. And we had Andrew Brock on previous episodes. And every time, you know, you, you talk about something like that, he'd always bring up Ohio was the only state to where the burden was on the person claiming self-defense. Now we're just like the other 50 states and the burdens on the, on the state for it. But yeah. And, and, and we're an ant, very anti-gun here in Illinois. We just, we just are. And when I got originally involved in this, I'm thinking 16 hours. Boy, it seems like a lot of time. And then when I got involved in teaching that, 16 hours is not even enough. It's just not enough. Mm -hmm. But uh, I pack a lot of stuff in in 16 hours. Yeah. Well, uh, you and me were talking before the podcast a little bit. You know, you get police officers. You know, they get 40 hours most of the time in the academy, and then annually have to to qualify. And even there, we've had officers come to our training, your training, my training, that still can't master the gun for one reason or the other. And that's where they've got to – They've got to get the proper training so they understand how to properly hold it, how to press that trigger, how to go along with the sight alignment, and how to do the di- different uh, exercises and drills. Because when they're on the street, whether it's a law enforcement officer or a civilian, you got to know what you're doing and how to do it. Because the old saying goes, every bullet's got a lawyer's name on it. And if you miss the target, if you, know, if you do something wrong, you know, lawyers going to be coming after you, whether it's in Ohio or Illinois, uh, you know, there's, there will be a lawyer coming after you. Yeah. I, I let my students know that every round you cut loose is going to go back in your personal account. It's, it's an awesome responsibility. 
it's huge liability. And uh, every one of my students knows in no uncertain terms uh, that my job here in Illinois, our, our range qualification is a B27 standard target. Uh, 10 rounds at five yards, 10 rounds at seven yards, 10 rounds at 10 yards. And they know that they have to score at least 21 out of 30. I don't tell them where because uh, we've kind of loosened that up a little bit here in Illinois. It's anywhere in the black, anywhere in that silhouette counts now. It used to be in, in the concentric rings. But I also let my students know that this is a controlled environment where nobody's shooting back at you and should be easy peasy. I have some, uh, you know, I, most of my students score very high, but it is a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. And I also let them know if, if my job is to make sure you're 70% to 100% proficient on a static target, not shooting back at you in a controlled environment, how, how proficient do you think you're going to be on the street when you're in motion, your gun is in motion, your assailant is in motion, their gun's in motion, maybe there are multiple assailants with their guns in motion, you have street traffic, uh, pedestrian traffic, and noise, complete chaos, 8 to 12% tops. Policemen who train quarterly can barely maintain 20% uh, proficiency under those conditions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I make sure they know in no uncertain terms, you're going to be more of a detriment to yourself and your loved ones if you don't take some advanced training. So they know all that when they leave my, uh, leave my classroom for sure, because uh, I'm in this to make sure that our concealed carry people are safe. They're the good guys. I don't want anybody telling me any different. They're here, they're here to practice their Second Amendment. And I'm happy they're here. And, you know, I, they need to know that uh, they have to take this seriously. They have to be responsible firearm owners. And uh, I just drill that into their heads for two days. Yeah, it's, it's not, and not John Wayne. You know, we don't, we don't no. go out there and it's like, you know, I saw you doing that and I'm going to, you know, go along and do a citizen rest against you or go along and decide that, you know, I should do <laughs> yeah. this or I do that. I mean, we've got to make sure our students go because, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people come to classes for, you know, you know, personal reasons, you know, they've been scared, yeah. you know, they're wor- worried about, you know, s- you know, somebody coming and, you know, harming them or they just want to exercise their rights, but any any of those situations, if somebody does something wrong, you know, displays it at the wrong time, fires at the wrong time, point at the wrong person, and they can have some really bad uh, results uh, from it. And that's where, if we're doing our jobs, our students should know exactly when, where, and how to go along and, and use their firearm. And there are other training that they should get, too. Hey, I, I let my students know I'm going to spend the first, at least the first half of the day, probably most of the day, trying to scare the hell out of them. <laughs> If this isn't for you, so be it. I won't be offended if you leave, but you need to know uh, what 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 this is all about. You need to know the severity of the liability, and if it's not for you, that's fine. Uh, you can leave. But you know, if if they leave before the first uh, before lunch, I'll give them a refund uh, because I want to make sure that they know what they're up against mm-hmm. uh, legally. Uh, tell me this, uh, Gary. When you were first starting to teach, how where do you start teaching at? How do you how do you find those places to teach at? Well, uh, actually, I you know I'm a, I'm a little ahead of the curve on this because I've always had a business of some sort most of my life, uh, so I knew what challenges there were going to be, and and I did the research. So anybody that's going to get involved in instructing, they they really need to do the research on the on the front end. Uh, take a pencil to the numbers. Uh, five years ago. Uh, a lot of instructors started out by teaching in hotel rooms and that type of stuff. So if you've got a two-day 
a class and, and that hotel is going to charge you $200 each day for 20 students. That's 400 bucks for that weekend times four or maybe five that month. So you got to take a pencil to it and go, Hey, you know, maybe I can get some office space, you know, cheaper. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. So I, I, I found a place that was a uh, 500 square feet office space. I just put my furniture um, for all my furnishings on a credit card. I opened up, uh, I went, uh, uh, I advertised on one of the uh, uh, mediums that uh, put out coupons type thing. And I, I, my first day I opened up with $14,000 in the bank before I even had a class. So I, I got lucky. I did, I did everything the right way. I don't owe anybody any money. All my, all my equipment is paid for. In fact, everything in this office either came via Amazon or Costco. Uh, that's how it got here. So, mm-hmm. But everything's paid for, and uh, I just did a little by little. And then mm-hmm. I needed more space. I was in uh, my 500-square-foot office space for uh, over three years, uh, three and a half years, a little bit longer than that. I, I opened up in this new space November 1st. I took the whole month of October uh, and uh, just moved in. I did things the right way. Put a new carpet, did all the paint, and uh, you know, my, I'm proud of my big screen TV. Nobody can complain; it's too small. <laughs> there you go. What do you do about range? You know, we can all find range. a class uh, classroom or so, well, but how about a range? That could be real. That, location, that could be a tougher location, one. location, 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 location. I am ten minutes in between two ranges. You're lucky. Yeah. 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 That's, that is kind of difficult for a lot of instructors. If, if you can get the right location, I, I, I highly recommend you develop a relationship with more than one range uh, because they may be down. Uh, you just never know. Uh, so I'm right between two ranges and uh, the one I use primarily is a smaller range. It's an older range, but it's my class only. They, they close. I'm on their range every Sunday between four and so well, it's actually between four and eight for the most part. I didn't get out of it on nine o'clock last uh, uh, Sunday. Uh, you know, when you put 40, 50 people through, uh, it takes a while. You got to do it the right way. Make sure you uh, don't have, uh, uh, make sure you got another instructor with your couple instructors. I, I don't like going over a three to one ratio, uh, keep people safe. 3.5 is the, the top end. So if I got mm-hmm. seven to two instructors, I'm okay with that. Yep. Well, safe, no safety is that. The, nobody ever complains about being too safe. You know, it always comes down to, you know, how'd you let this happen? And that's what people complain about. Exactly. So, hey, so I never go over 3.5 to one ratio. Mm -hmm. Never, ever, never. You know, I'm more comfortable with three, but sometimes I got to get that seventh person in the range. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with that. Well, that's where you cycle through it. I know you were were talking about that you were using the uh, advertisements, the door. we call them door stores where they get, get passed out to the residents and things like that. Do you use anything else in going along and finding uh, other students? I actually, uh, internet, it seems to be the way most people, uh, uh, find me. Uh, so I'd spend some money on SEO, uh, companies, um, multiple, <laughs> you know, that Google rating is, is, is really kind of key critical for this business, but I also use radio ads and billboard, electronic billboard. So, you got to do your shopping around, find some stuff that you can afford, stay at it uh, pretty much, change it once in a while. So, you know, maybe change the colors or whatever you need to on some of the ads so it doesn't become like white noise and you're not wasting mm-hmm. your advertising dollars. But what I also do is I, uh, I 
every student here before they leave, I'm going to give them a uh, a sheet to uh, give me, a, you know, constructive criticisms or whatever. Uh, let me know uh, how I can make the make the class better for them if if I possibly can, and also how do they find out about me? Internet uh, referrals. I get a lot of referrals. Uh, in fact, uh, the the South Side uh, churches uh, have been really good to me. I get a lot of clergy through here, and attorneys. It's amazing the cross section of people that I get. Absolutely amazing judges, uh, policemen, uh, uh, corrections officers, that type of stuff. Uh, attorneys. Mm-hmm. Get a lot of attorneys through here. Yeah, so quite, quite a nice cross section of people. How how close are you to Chicago? I'm just right outside of uh, Chicago. Uh, I'm 18 miles southwest of Dead Center, Madison, and State Street in Chicago. Okay. So I'm 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 in the Chicago land area. Yeah. Okay. So not not too far away. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's there, you know in in Cook in the five collar counties around Chicago, uh, there's 9.2 million people. So high density. <laughs> I, I would say. Kind of like Cincinnati. Uh, well, <clears throat> we got three million in three states, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let me ask. Let me ask you this question: uh, With nine million people and such, figure there's probably more than you teaching uh, can still carry around Chicago. How do you differentiate yourself from the competition? Because I think you know that's one of those things that we're all struggling with. You know, very few of us have the luxury of being the only guy in town. But how do you differentiate? Oh no, yourself? I've, I've got I've got some hardcore competition around me. And uh, you give out a good product, you treat your people nice, uh, but price is definitely uh, key critical. Uh, I was I had to lower my prices to start filling up the room. It's you know people don't have anything really compared to uh, compare. They don't have any benchmarks, if you will, because five years ago, people just wanted to get into these classes, and five years ago there were there were a lot of instructors that just wanted to fill the classes with uh, 100, 200 people, make a gazillion dollars and leave, and kind of that's what they did. Uh, so most most folks have no idea if they got a good class or a really bad class. I mean, if you got a really bad one, you kind of know, but there was nothing to compare it to. So you've got you to give them a good product here. Uh, mm-hmm. And me being with the USCCA, it's one of the best products I've seen in, mm-hmm. in all actuality. Uh, they give them a little plug on your podcast, but the, uh, it's the best curriculum I've ever seen. If you go to some of these other instructors, instructors that aren't USCCA, uh, you don't know what kind of curriculum you're going to get because it's going to really depend on what they got involved in or what they enjoyed, what they got certified in, and what curriculum they presented to the state uh, to be approved. You go to a USCCA instructor, you're going to get the same curriculum. It's the best I've ever seen in my 45 years of policing. So that's that's why I like to be a USCCA instructor. Yeah, it's definitely comprehensive. When we had uh, Destry and yeah. Steve Fisher on just a little while ago talking about their program, as a matter of fact. Oh, I love Steve. Great guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's a scary man. You know, he, he looks scary, but he's a nice man. <laughs> he can be, although at the same time, he, he has no... Uh, hair on top and i'm uh, and i'm very quickly approaching the same uh, aspect as steve is so we're both kind of shiny on top so just the way way things yeah. are i got a question for you when it comes to illinois they've got a recertification uh that they people have to do every x number of years don't they this is where i think the state really dropped the ball in my opinion uh you don't have to do a qual- requalification for five years uh-huh. yeah uh i think they dropped the ball there uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, I've actually had people in my class where I, I, I hey, when was the last time you're at the, you know, at the range, you know, they're in here doing renewals and go, well, uh, five years ago, you know, so that's not good. And do they just have to retake that's the whole course when the F, F five years or do they take an abbreviate one? No, they, they, it's a three hour requirement in okay. Illinois. Uh, so it's two hours classroom, hour uh, firearms on the range. There's a range qualification. It's the same qualification they did five years previously. And uh, you can't let your you can't let your uh, FOID card expire in Illinois. If you do, they revoke your concealed carry right away. And you, just, you can't let your concealed carry expire for a second, or otherwise you got to take the 16-hour class again. So uh, a lot of folks weren't aware of that. That that was another where some of the instructors dropped the ball, maybe, or or maybe the students forgot. And, uh, you know, they'll they'll come in here on the day that they're about to expire or the day they do expire. They're good till at midnight, but they got to, they got to get online and and renew that immediately. But as soon as you're expired, you have to take the 16 hour. How how do you handle the FOID card with uh, students when they come in class? Is everybody pretty good about getting that beforehand? they, They don't. They don't need to have a FOID for the class. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they can come and take the class. They don't need a FOID uh, to go to the range with a certified instructor. Uh, it's an exemption under our law. Uh, but they do need to uh, apply for the FOID card prior to applying for the concealed carry. So one's got to come before the other. Yeah, that's kind of fun. I guess I was a little confused because every time I'm in Illinois and you, know, you go into the candy store, a.k.a. the gun store, and they you know, you can't touch a gun unless you got a FOID card. And it's like, well, okay. unless, you, unless you got an out-of-state ID. You know, you're from Ohio. You're good. You don't need that. No, they, they, they said it, you know, at least where I was, they said even out-of-state, you can't do it. I would need an Illinois hunting license to be able to, uh, out of non-resident oh, okay. Illinois. Yeah, you know, it wasn't that important. It wasn't like I had money that was burning a hole in my pocket. Yeah. Just going to the candy store to look around a little bit. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to buy that gold desert eagle? or <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I was going to, I was going to go, go for the double gold, you know, uh, desert Eagle and 50 AE, you know, you know, go walking yeah. around my, uh, you know, holster on, you know? Yeah. That oh, would yeah. be me. Yeah. Yeah. Rob. Yeah. Dra- dra- uh, my pants would be dragging with all that. Yeah. Call me. I'll come find you out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Hey Gary, quick question for you. What kind of books yeah. are you reading these days? You know, I, I, I wish I had time to read. Yeah, you put me on the spot there. I, I, I don't really. You know, I, I actually picked up this one today. I was going, I was going to read this, start reading this. I got, in fact, I was doing it while I was, I was waiting for you to come on online, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I, uh, I got to page seven. Well, <laughs> and that's a good book. He, he's holding up to the video right now. The USCCA yeah. shoot, I, you know, shoot book that they hand out. I've read some Rob Pinkus stuff, you know, but, uh, I, I don't really have a lot of time to get into it. And I usually overbook myself every week. Like I told you earlier, there's only 168 hours in a week and I can, I have a tendency to book myself 172 of them. So <laughs> I'm bad at that. Rob. I'm bad at that, Rob. I'll be honest with you. I'm bad at that. I should read more. You're right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm right there with you, you know, between working a full-time job, podcasting and training and doing other things. It's, uh, it can, it can eat up a lot of time. Uh, but we're out there. We're dedicated to making the world hopefully a little safer place one by one. And we do that by being knowledgeable instructors and passing knowledge on to our students when they come into class. Yeah, oh, you're absolutely right. And, and none of us know it all and we should keep up. And in fact, that's why I always do at least one, uh, one at minimum one advanced training a year I get into. So 
I want to make sure that the, I know what's going on. And I, I was really upset that, uh, you know, our expo got canceled with the USCCA because that's where you go see everybody and you pick up some of the new stuff. And, yep. Yeah. So, that is one of those yeah. things where it's a great excuse to get out and travel a little bit and catch up with friends and, you know, see what else is going on. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about, you know, when you first became a, a law enforcement officer that you were using revolvers. Things changed yes. over to, you know, semi-automatics. And even, you know, what you learned back in 93 when you made that switch, I'm sure it's probably changed a couple of times since then with the tactics that you use and, you know, how you reload it, how you do different things like that. And that's where I, I look at new instructors. And as much as, you know, I tell them, hey, you're going to leave this class being certified today. It's like, keep in mind that as soon as you hit that door, something's going to change. Ammunition is going to change. Guns are going to change. Laws are going to change. And you know, most importantly, you know, something legally is going to change. And if you're not yeah. staying on top oh, of that, absolutely. guess what? You, you're tying one hand behind your back and one hand behind all your students back too, and not, not knowing th uh, what should be done properly. Yeah. That's another thing that I'm doing is, uh, I, I started doing legal seminars here where, uh, uh, first Tuesday every month I'll be having, uh, one of the USCCA, uh, attorneys here, one of the legal plan attorneys. And we do that for a couple hours in the evening. It's a, it, you know, people can come in just, just to gun orders. They don't have to be concealed carry. It's a, it's a freebie. Uh, I put 40, 50, 60 people in here for that class and they can answer questions to the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the attorneys that handle this stuff because the laws do change and, you know, I want to keep everybody safe. Exactly. Again, we can't always depend on what's in the news and different things like that to know what, you know, what was legal and what wasn't, or, you know, what would, how would things have turned out differently if they would have done something different? You know, the news, the news is going to sensationalize things and you need to hear from a lawyer or somebody who's in the trenches who can say, you know, this is the reason something didn't go properly the way everybody thought it would. And this is how you would steer clear of those problems. You know, it's good well, to I, always get, I get educated. A lot of yeah. I get a lot of students in here that are, you know, under the misconception, just because they, somebody's in your home, they think that they're fair game. <laughs> That's absolutely not the way it is, especially in Illinois. You know, you can't shoot somebody just because they're in your house. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's some legal requirements there before you start pressing the trigger. Yeah. Well, and just like you said, you know, they got to realize, you know, uh, Wisconsin, just north of Illinois is there. You know, you got Gary, Indiana, you know, not too far away from you. You've got a lot of different states, similar to what we have down here in Cincinnati, Ohio, to where in 10 minutes, you can be in a whole different jurisdiction with a whole different set of laws that you've got to understand and abide by too. Just because I'm an Ohio resident doesn't matter that, you know, I got pulled over in Kentucky or something else like that. Right. You know, I got to abide by yeah. their, their speed limits and their laws. And if I don't, I got to pay their price. Yes. Well, hey, Gary, where can instructors find more out about which, what uh, Gary Carr is doing and the training that you're offering up there in, around Chicago? Well, uh, you can go to my website. Uh, uh, the, the, the long version is IllinoisConcealedCarryTraining.com, but I have a shortened version for my radio ads, which is ICCT.us. That's ICCT.us or ICCT.us. <laughs> yeah, that's the short version. Illinois uh, Concealed Carry dot com or Concealed yep. Carry Training dot com. Okay, yeah, I forgot about that last little bit there, but yeah, that's that's a good good uh, example of going along, taking a longer name, and then making it work. 
for you know, it also I, I and have a short one for the radio ads yeah you know, uh, <laughs> otherwise people won't remember it yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when you're pay paying for every second, shortening it definitely uh, uh, yeah. helps yeah, out yeah, quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. But uh, all my all my classes are posted. I uh, usually got them posted two months in advance. Uh, my classes are on the weekends. Uh, I advertise now 9.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Otherwise, I can't usually get started by 10 a.m. on time. It's like herding cats, <laughs> so, especially on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, but uh I also, I'm also doing uh, renewals. I do my renewals Monday, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, mornings at 10 a.m., 10 to 1. I get long-winded a little bit, usually probably at least 1.30. So that's yeah, three and a half hours of training instead of three for the most part. As long as they're getting good information, that's, you know, they're getting money's worth for it. And it's, it's well, I make of, sure of that. I yeah. make sure they get their money's worth. Yeah. Well, hey, that's a wrap for this episode. We've got a few requests for our loyal listeners. Like and rate our podcast on Google Play, iTunes, wherever you listen to us at. Share this episode on Facebook and encourage others to listen. As we've said before, if other people don't know about us, they can't take advantage of the great content that we've had. If you have any ideas, questions, feedback, email us, ftp at concealedcarry.com. Many of you sent us ideas for episodes, and I will be reaching out to some of those people to schedule them and bring them on the episode because the ideas that you guys have generated are uh, pretty cool, I think. And I want to I want to go along and get those people on to talk about what they're doing in the industry for it. Also, visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Remember, being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. And remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Take care, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.